You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Willamette Christian Church in Westland, Oregon. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at willamette.cc or shoot us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Good to see all of you today. If you're just now joining us, uh, we are in this series, Under Pressure. So glad that you could be here with us. Also want to say a quick hello to everybody watching online. Good to see you. Not that I can see you, but I just trust that you can see me. And so I'm sending that back to you. Good to see you online. If you can ever join us in person, we would love it. But glad you could join us for this service today. And we are in this series called Under Pressure. Going into this fall season, it doesn't really matter what season we're in. What we know about this world is that this this pressure in this world is unavoidable. It's an unavoidable reality that that we cannot escape. As much as we would like to avoid, as much as we would like to find three simple steps out of it, the reality is, is that we can't avoid it. So each week in the series, I've been kind of using this pressure scale to kind of give us a a glimpse of, uh, of what it's like to experience pressure. And unfortunately, it's not low to high. Like, oh, some of you in here, you have low pressure. Some of you have high pressure. Unfortunately, uh, for those of us following Jesus, it's also not like if you're a Christian, it's low pressure. If you're not a Christian, it's high pressure. No, it's it's high and really high. Like we're all on this scale, no matter the age and stage of your life, no matter your income level, not even according to what you believe in this world. Jesus said it, you will have trouble. You will have trouble pressure. And so we feel, even though it's invisible, we feel this pressure that comes with this life. And so in this series, we're kind of talking about the two options we have. On one hand, uh, we can crack under pressure. I do not suggest that for anybody, but we also know that's kind of the reality for many of us. Or there's kind of another option, and this is my prayer for you, that we would be formed by pressure. That in the midst of this pressure that we cannot avoid, in the midst of kind of this, this weight on our shoulders, that we would experience God and we would open our hearts and our lives to what it is to experience the peace that comes from God, the, the strength that comes from God. I believe with all my heart that God wants to, to form you in the midst of this pressure that we cannot avoid. And so uh, when we talked about this today, we're going to be talking about the specific topic of disappointment and unfulfilled desires. What what do we do when life isn't working out the way we had hoped? And I just want to kind of prep you up front. Today's message is a buckle up Sunday. In fact, I was telling our team, it's not even like a buckle up as if like we live in the 80s when there was just this, right? It's like the five point buckle harness thing. We're going to look at some, some really intense topics. And here's why, because disappointment and unfulfilled desires is intense. But the good news is, is that we can lean into a God who wants to meet us right where we're at. It's so, it's so difficult to cope with disappointments and unfulfilled desires. Maybe it's a, a child that we wish would come home. It's, it's a, a health situation that we wish would go away. Maybe it's a dream that we wish would come true, but just doesn't seem to be coming true. I think everyone can, every one of us knows what it, what it is to, to, to be crushed on the inside by disappointment and unfulfilled desires. And there's also a range. If we go back to our pressure scale, there's a, there's a range of, of disappointments from daily disappointments to, to catastrophic losses. Maybe you could say traumatic 
losses. When it comes to daily disappointments, I mean, this is just our world. Like, this is how it works out. You, you, you're excited to meet up with a friend, and your friend lets you down. You, you're excited to show your work to the, your boss, and your boss belittles your work. You work all day to, to do something for your child, and your child shows no gratitude. Can I get an amen from a parent out there, right? Like, you're like, really? Really? You know, like, Jen's, Jen loves to cook. She just loves, loves, loves to cook. And she is a great cook. I mean, I am, I am blessed by Jen's desire and love for cooking. And it happens all the time. The girls are like, oh, what's for dinner? And Jen's like, you know, lobster tail. And, and they're like, oh, I wish we could have macaroni. You know, something like that. Not lobster tail, but if any of you want to, I'm just saying. But, but here's the deal. Here's the deal, like daily disappointments, right? All the way to just opening email. I'm just being honest. Some days I do not want to touch my inbox because what will happen if I click it, right? Daily disappointment. Unfortunately, the list is endless all the way to catastrophic losses. And most of us in one or more moments of our lives, we experience something on this level. And I could give you examples, but unfortunately, most of us can already fill in the blanks. Because it's so very real of what we're dealing with. And then there's kind of everything in between, right? And, and I, would, I would say most of the loss, most of the disappointment in life, it is, doesn't just happen in a moment. It's just kind of this, this gradual loss. It, it happens over the expanse of time. We might call this kind of pressure maybe the slow burn of disappointment. Just, just over time, there's just kind of this grind of disappointments. For instance, we lose our youthfulness, right? I mean, listen, I, I'm, I'm experiencing this every day. I keep asking for stage makeup and they don't hook me up. I'm like, guys, I am getting older and you're not helping a brother out up here, right? We lose over time. You know, you see a picture and like, oh no, that's, we got family pictures. It was the worst photographer ever. <laughs> My family looks great. I, on the other hand, look 80. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, what's happening? And they're like, Brian, I just want to have a conversation with you. This is what you look like. I'm like, ah, right? Just over time, you're just like, I mean, this is life. It's just disappoint, disappointment and no, no amount of plastic surgery, cosmetics, right? Exercise routine. It's a slow burn loss that we deal with. Growing older, here's another one. We lose our, our, our dreams. Where over time, things don't end up like we had hoped. We had a plan for that marriage. We had a plan for that business. We had a plan and we lose our, and over time you just begin to go, here was the target and here's where life is kind of taking me. Again, I know that you can fill in the blank. Then there's something that we lose. We lose our routines. What I mean by that is routines provide stability. Routines provide predictability. You, you know what to expect and sometimes we even lose our routines, when, when family members move away and you're so used to spending time with them on the weekends or on the holidays and now you can't, you've, you've lost that routine, you, you've changed jobs and, and you had a routine and, and you felt confident in your work and now you don't. We lose our routines. I don't know, a pandemic happens, right? And, and we lose our predictability, stability, and we begin to crack under pressure. And the reality is, whether it's a moment of daily disappointment, catastrophic loss, or if it's this over time, this is our world. And so as a church, we don't want to pretend. We don't want to just put on a smile and say, welcome to church. I hope everything's going great for you and act like everything is fine. And unfortunately, let me apologize from the stage on behalf of people maybe you've heard from a stage. 
Because sometimes the church can make it seem like everything should just be all right. That if we just put on our smile and and grab a verse of the day, everything's going to be fine. And today, what I don't want to do is have any resemblance of that because what we know is life is too painful for simple band-aids. And we do this, and sometimes it's innocent. It's not bad. You're going through something, and somebody's like, oh, that's okay. I've got a verse for you. And again, if you have a verse for somebody, totally fine. But if this is all we ever do in the church, it's not enough. They'll say something like, I got, have you ever heard of Romans 8.28? I'm just praying Romans 8.28 over here. Here's Romans 8.29. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, friends, this is a phenomenal verse. Amen, somebody. This is a good, good, wonderful, hold on to the scripture verse. But sometimes, sometimes the church or, or followers of Jesus or pastors can take something that is traumatic or painful and we throw a verse at it as if that's just going to take care of it. And someone on the other side is like, oh, God works all things together for good. Well, this isn't good. So where's God? You mean in all things? Oh, it's only for those who love him? Do I love God? I thought I loved God. Maybe I don't love God. Oh, it's for those who have been called? Maybe I'm not called. Maybe God called somebody else. Maybe this isn't meant for me. Because disappointment and unfulfilled desires are painful. We begin to think, maybe I got the short end of the stick. What's wrong with me? What I want to tell you on this day, in this series is that nothing is wrong with you. That if you're experiencing pain and pressure from disappointment and unfulfilled desires, that it's okay to make space in your life for grief and disappointment. And that it's not just okay. I would even add this to to the series that we're in, that it's essential. It's essential for you to know that it's okay to not be okay, to not just put a smile on your face and just kind of get through it. So rather than mask it or deny it, what we want to do today is we want to look at what would it mean for us to embrace it, to embrace in the midst and allow God to do a formation in our lives. And so what I want to do today in this message is I want to give you two examples from the scripture, one from the Old Testament and and one from the New Testament. And first up, we're going to look at a psalm. And for those of you that are familiar with the Bible, uh, Psalm is, has, is the largest book in the Bible. It's, it's mostly written of songs by King David. Uh, and, and they're beautiful. And most of the psalms kind of deal with the pain of the soul. And then it kind of makes a turn and says, but I will put my hope in you, God, or, or God, you are my refuge, or something like that. And, and, and that's wonderful. But I've chosen to do something today that I've never done ever in church. I'm going to read to you Psalm 88. I've never read this that I know of as a pastor. And the reason why I've never read Psalm 88 is because nobody's got this hanging up in their house, in your living room, with nice cursive script, okay? This scripture was actually not written by David. Uh, King David, David and Goliath, David, that David. He wrote most of the Psalms. Uh, but this, this psalm was written by one of the sons of Korah, someone by the name of Haman. And, and he uh, was, the sons of Korah were, were uh, assigned to the temple and they would write worship songs to be sung at the temple. And when you hear this, you're going to be like, this is a worship song? We don't sing this at Willamette, right? But what it does is it engages with deep disappointment 
and unfulfilled desires. And he goes to God with all of his pain and he's not filtered and he's not putting a band-aid on anything and there isn't just a turn at the end where everything's gonna be all right. It's the world that he's living in. So uh, Psalm 88 is 18 verses. I'm gonna read all 18 without stopping. And as I do, I hope that you can, can grab on to the angst and the disappointment in his soul, all right? So buckle up. Let's start in verse one. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night, I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves." You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry out to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. No masking, no pretending, no putting a smiley face at the end with some emojis and acting like it's okay. Friends, you need to know this. Psalm 88 is in the Bible. And it's a worship song. Darkness is my closest friend. When we're wrestling with disappointment and un fulfilled desires. We don't have to run from God with it because we have a God who in the scriptures that we read sees it and welcomes it unfiltered. The Bible is not void of the reality that we all face with disappointment and unfulfilled desires. Some of you have uh, received the devotional that goes along with this series in home communities, a men's community, women's community. Maybe you picked one up on your way out. In fact, it looks like this. This is the devotional. We ran out of these, but if you uh, scan the QR code on the bulletin that you uh, received when, when you came in, this QR code has um, this, the entire devotional in PDF form. 
Uh, I would love for you to check it out. But I bring this up because uh, in this devotional, each week, it at least invites you to consider writing out your own psalm to God, like out of your own heart. And I've heard a lot of people be like, hey, the devotion's cool. I'm not writing no psalm, okay? Like, I ain't writing, I'm nope. I, I'm like, Jesus, help. i like, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Which, by the way, is like a good psalm, all right? That's, that's a good psalm. But, but here, here's, here's the reality, is that um, uh, writing out a psalm, you may have thought like, well, like Psalm 88 is a psalm. It is unfiltered. And God is okay, watch this, God is okay with you bringing everything to him unfiltered, even if you're angry with him. The Bible is not void of this reality. So that's one example in the Old Testament. And now I'm going to go over to the New Testament and look at the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Again, if you grew up in church, maybe you know about Hebrews 11, but Hebrews 11 is this singular chapter that lists all of these great people of faith. Kind of like in football, uh, if you, like NFL has the Hall of Fame you can go to in, in Ohio. Uh, it's known as the Hall of Fame because it has all a list of all the great players. Hebrews 11 is kind of known as not the hall of fame, but like the hall of faith. Like this is all these people that did great things for God, had great, great faith. And it's like this wow, wow chapter. You're like, oh, I want to, I wish I could be in that chapter. Um, the, the problem is, is that the chapter is 40 verses long and most of us don't get to the end of the chapter. We just start with the, the beginning of the chapter. Now I'm not going to read all 40 verses of the chapter, but it starts off really good. Let me just give you a glimpse. In verse one, it says, now faith is confident in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So the ancients, these, these great people of faith, and it goes on to be like, Abraham had great faith and Moses, by faith Moses, and by faith no. List all these people. And then it kind of summarizes all of these people beginning in verse 32, still on the uptick. Look at what it says in verse 32. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Now, I don't know about you, but you can hear it in my voice, but when I read that, I'm like, that's what I'm talking about right there. Like, like where's the sign up for Team Jesus? Because I'm all in. Their weakness was turned into strength. That's what I'm talking about. They became strong in battle, put whole armies to flight. Yeah, that's right. Team Jesus, let's go. And maybe, maybe you've had preachers like me preach like that to you. And maybe you've been like, yeah, I'm in. And you just heard the first half of the chapter and nobody took time to share with you the second half of the chapter. This happens a lot at like Bible camp, like youth camp. This happened to me in high school. Um, 
I was in high school doing my own thing, just kind of like loving Jesus one day and loving my life the next day and not combining the two, compartmentalizing Jesus in my life. And I went to camp and man, someone was preaching like this and I got so fired up. And maybe you've heard some of these, these uh, uh, verses be kind of quoted out. But this guy, I remember distinctly. He's kind of a big guy. He was all sweaty. He had a handkerchief and he's just patting his forehead. And he's like, you are more than a conqueror. I'm like, that's right. He, said, he says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I'm like, that's right. He's like, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm like, that's right. He's like, you are, you are above and not beneath. You are the head and not the tail. God has great. I'm like, yes, yes. Amen, amen. Sign up. Team Jesus, let's go. And I got sweaty just sitting there. I'm like, yes, this is it. And, and I signed up for Team Jesus. I raised my hand. I'm like, I'm in. Jesus saved me. I want to do all these kinds of things. Let's go. And again, it's in the scriptures, and these are good scriptures. You don't have to apologize for these scriptures. Watch this. You just need to read all of the scriptures. Can I get an amen from somebody? Because when people talk like this, when pastors like me talk like this, it's well-intended, but it can also be short-sighted. And when I was a teenager and I said yes to Jesus, I was kind of given the first half without the second half. And because it was short-sighted, what I realized is that I didn't see the full picture. I didn't see the whole chapter. And my hope to you today is to show you the whole chapter because God is the God of the mountaintops, but God is also the God of the valley. So the second part of this chapter <laughs> starts with this but others. <laughs> it's like verse, oh my yeah, let's go. And then they're like, but hold on. I'm about to tell you something else that you need to know. And this is what it says about the other great people of faith. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountain, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. You still want to be a part of Team Jesus? When you see the whole picture and you see all of real life without band-aids or quick scriptures, we see something that isn't as inspirational, but watch this, and I hope you hold on to this, but is so much more real to the very life that we find ourselves in. That God does not want to paint a picture that is not real because he came to this world, this broken world. He sent Jesus into this world who suffered this kind of suffering because we have a God that identifies with us in the midst of the brokenness of this world. In this world, you will have trouble. It's not inspiring, but it's real. And in the midst of disappointments and, and unfulfilled desires, I need to know. I need to know personally, and I believe you need to know that God is a God who can be with us and see us and meet us when we feel like there's nothing else 
for us. Even when we feel like God has abandoned us, I need to know that God is near to us. Amen, somebody. God hasn't abandoned me. God is near to me. God is the one who has drawn to me in the midst of what I find myself in. Darkness is my closest friend. See, I would love to tell you that everything will work out exactly the way that you want if you just trust in God. If you just trust in God, everything will work out just the way that you want. Except this is what we know, is that sometimes things don't work out just the way that we want. But I can tell you that the God that we're talking about, the God of the Bible, Jesus who came to identify and who experienced his own torture, who experienced abandonment, who, who, who on the cross would say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He would pray his own Psalm 88 because he was being honest with the situation and still believing in what was happening. Even though things won't turn out the way you want it to, I can tell you that God will be your refuge. God will be your strength. God will be your peace. And God will be your guide. So with that in mind, what I don't want to do as we kind of wrap up this message, what I don't want to do is give you like two simple steps to dealing with disappointment and unfulfilled desires. Because as we know, there is nothing simple about disappointment. There is nothing simple about unfulfilled desires. But what I do want to do is I want to give you two encouragements. Two encouragements when you find yourself in a Psalm 88 scenario, when you find yourself in the second half of Hebrews 11, two encouragement as you discover God who is also a God in the valley. And the first encouragement I want to have for you is to engage. Engage. In other words, lean in. Don't disengage. Don't run from the very God who will meet you in your valley. Every minute, every second that you spend running from God is every second that you're missing out on the formation that God has for you as he, as he works in you and, and creates something new in you, even something beautiful. Remember Haman in Psalm 88 and all the verses that were, were just like, wow. Do, do you realize, did you see it right in the middle of all of his questioning God? He says this. He says, but I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. He was still engaging with God, unfiltered, not pretending, but he was going to God, not from God. He was engaging and I would encourage you to engage with God. Maybe you need to write a psalm. Maybe you just need to be honest with God. But say, God, I'm going to you. I don't have it all figured out. I feel like you're not here, but I'm still going to you. I'm going to engage with you. Haman engaged by going to God. How do we engage? Yes, by writing a psalm. Yes, by being a part of the series. Good news is you're already engaging. You already took a step. You came to church on a Sunday morning. And you're engaging. I hope that you'll continue to, to, to be a part of this series especially. There are people engaging right now in a lab, in the ox, uh, dealing with, with, with some very specific things. 
There are people that are engaging. You're already doing it. But I would hope that you would continue, that we would engage through community, that, that perhaps what you need to do to engage is tell someone, your best friend, a guy you're, you're learning to trust, somebody, tell somebody what you're going through. Engage, don't mask it. Don't put on a smile. Don't just try to get through life cutting corners, over-medicating, self-coping with mechanisms that won't heal the wound. We engage together. That's why the church is here. Maybe you need to take it a step farther and, and you need to engage by seeing a professional that you've been just trying to do this on your own for so long and you've been grabbing a verse here or there or reading a blog here or there, but you actually need to sit down with a, a professional that can help you deal with some of the disappointment and unfulfilled desires. Because we know this. When we're hurt, we hurt. Hurt people hurt people. And, and, and until we, we experience this healing, what I do know is that People who are experiencing healing can also be a part of healing with those around. Maybe engaging looks like a professional. Um, in fact, uh, again, using the QR code, if you scan that QR code on your bulletin, uh, there will be a link to our Willamette Cares page. I want to show you what that actually looks like. When you click the button, this is on our website, you can request support. We have incredible support and resources from family and parenting, grief, trauma abuse, addiction recovery. We have counselors to help you, mental health. We have a lot of resources. Maybe this is what it means for you to engage Take a step forward. We want to do everything we can to help you find hope in the midst, in the midst of disappointment and unfulfilled desires by engaging. But I want you to know this. As you feel like, oh man, if people know about this burden, if, if people know about my pain, I, 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 might, I don't want the spotlight to shine on me. Listen, as I was praying this, as I was prepping this message, I just felt like somebody here needed to receive this in your heart. And I wrote it out. Here it is. Your reality, your fears, your pain, and your doubts do not make you a burden. They make you human. They make you just like us. Somebody needs to hear this today. You are not a burden. You are not the oddball. You're not the one that, that, that if everybody knew what was going through. Listen, in this world, we are all at different ages and stages, but we all experience pain. And together, we can experience healing together. This is what God has for us. From high to really high on the scale, God knows about you. God wants to be part of of the process and bring healing into your life in our broken world, in the midst of the season that we face. And as we think about this, the, the Apostle Paul would write to the church, probably knowing that sometimes we don't want to bring this up, but this is what the church is for. In Galatians, he would write to these people and he would say this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is us being the church. We don't pretend that it's not there. We engage. We let other people in. Let me put it one other way. Here it is. Just because you have a burden doesn't mean you are a burden. We have burdens in this world. We'll bear each other's burdens, but you are not a burden. Let's engage together. And the second encouragement that I have for you in the midst of disappointment and unfulfilled desires is to depend not just to engage, but to depend. And what I mean by that is, is that we would depend on Christ 
in Christ alone, that Jesus would be our rock. Friends are great. Counselors are important. Resources are super helpful. But friends, if you don't hear anything else, hear me on this. We must put our hope and our trust and our dependency on Christ. He is our rock. He is our anchor. He is the God of peace. And it's in him that we experience the healing that he has for each and every one of us as we depend on him. In fact, David would write other psalms. He would write Psalm 62, and it, it gives us this picture. And this is in your devotional for this week. Psalm 62 says, Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, well, I will not be shaken. He wraps up my victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Please, 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 do not pour out your heart to your friend, to your community group, or to your counselor without also pouring out your heart to the one who created you and to the one who came to save you, and to the one who heals you. Yes, we go to those others, but our hope is found in Christ. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Do you remember Hebrews chapter 11? Do you remember what it says about that second half? Others were tortured, refusing to turn from God. They placed their hope in him, in his plan, even when we can't avoid the pressures of this world. We lean into God rather than run from him. So as we wrap up, I want to invite the band to come on up, and we're going to close with a very meaningful worship song. And as they do, I want, you to, I want to invite you to take the communion that was offered to you as, you as you came in today. This is an opportunity for us to be reminded of who Jesus is. And before we sing this song that is all about putting our, our hope in God in the midst of disappointment, we take communion. Maybe you, you didn't grow up in church or maybe you haven't been to church in a long time and maybe you're kind of looking at this going, why do, why do people do that? Why, does, why do churches take communion? The reason why we take communion is to be reminded of who Jesus is. He is not a God who is distant. He is not a God that gave us some moral guidelines to live by and then said, you're on your own. We take communion to be reminded that God so loved you and I in the midst of our mess, whether we created it or someone else created it. For us, it's, it's both. God so loved us that he came to us and he became one of us, fully human. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus knows your pain. Jesus knows your disappointment. Jesus knows that sometimes the hardest place to go is to church because you're dealing with a weight on your shoulders. 
And sometimes the church has made it hard to be honest. Sometimes the church has made it where you just got to keep smiling and you just got to keep praising and you got to just keep keeping on. And I just want to tell you at Willamette Christian Church, it's okay to not be okay because you may have a burden, but you are not a burden. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we take communion to be reminded that Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty and to take the weight of sin off of our shoulders. To take the brokenness of this world and to say, I am making all things new. And as we place our hope in him, we might have mountaintop days and we will certainly have some valley days. But he is our God. We put our trust in him. A plan that supersedes even this life into the next. And when we do, it doesn't erase our problems. But what it does do is it gives us access to the God of peace. The God of hope. The God who gives us strength. And we are filled with people all around us that have experienced that kind of peace in the midst of their very real pain. So if you will, just peel back this first layer here and take out this piece of bread that represents the body of Christ. Let's take this in remembrance that Jesus can identify with our pain. Let's partake together. We peel back this second layer. Reveals the juice. This represents the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of our sins. Maybe the disappointment that you're experiencing is you're just disappointed in you. You just feel like you're the burden. And I would say to you that Jesus died to set you free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Maybe you didn't grow up in church. Maybe this is your first time in church in a week, in a month, in three decades, seven years. And you're trying to figure out like what hoops you would have to jump through to get back to Jesus. You don't have to jump through any hoops because he jumped through them all. He came to us and he meets us where we're at. He's just looking for people to say, Jesus, help. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I repent. I turn from doing it my way. And I'm just trusting you. And if you're here today and you'd say, Brian, I'm in church, but I'm far from God. I'm, I, I believe in God, but I'm still far from God. You don't have to stay that way. You can call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. So let's partake of the juice, remembering that he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Jesus, we come before you. And you know every person in this room. You know the tears that are in their eyes and what they represent. You know the disappointment, the catastrophic losses. You know the, the weight 
And I pray, Lord, that we would experience you, O God of peace, that you would come and you would be the lifter of our heads. You would be all that you desire to be in our lives as we make space for you. So as we sing this song, Holy Spirit, come. Fill our hearts, fill our minds with who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.